Welcome, everyone, to Sunday service. My name is Naya Swami Anandi. This is Naya Swami Bharat. And we're very happy to be with you uh, today. So we'll start our, we'll continue our service with this reading from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. These are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. This week's reading is called Reason versus Intuition. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus, when addressing his critics, appealed to reason and common sense. In his training of the disciples, however, he, like all great masters, encouraged in them the development of a higher faculty, soul intuition. For it is only by intuition that spiritual perceptions are achieved. In chapter 16 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, we find Jesus drawing on the intuition of his disciples by asking them who they thought he was in reality. They immediately understood that what he wanted from them was a subtle answer, not some obvious reply based on his nationality, sex, and the like. Peter it was at last who understood and answered the question on its intended level, the spiritual. Thou art the Christ, he said, the son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him saying, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, for not by human nature was this truth revealed to thee, but by my heavenly father. And I tell thee this also, Thou art Peter, which is to say a rock. And upon this rock will I build my church and never will the powers of darkness overwhelm it. Jesus was pleased with his disciple for relating to the question on its deepest level. Reason could not have given Peter that answer. The answer came through the faculty of soul intuition and proved him thereby to be a spiritually advanced disciple. It was his intuitive perception, that insight which cannot be shaken by tempests of reasonable doubt, that Jesus praised in referring to him as a rock. The church he referred to next was the edifice of cosmic consciousness. Any outer church institution would have to depend, as in fact the Christian churches have always done, on the level of understanding of its individual leaders and members. Peter's intuitive perceptions could never have been passed on to an outward succession of prelates. Clarity comes by direct soul perception. Confusion results from excessive dependence on reason as the guide to understanding. As the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita states, when your intellect, at present confused by the diversity of teaching in the scriptures, becomes steadfast 
in the ecstasy of deep meditation, then you will achieve final union with God. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning. I, too, would like to welcome you to Sunday's service. And I would like to read uh, from Whispers from Eternity, uh, a mystical poems by uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. And our reading uh, today will be, I will broaden my voice with a chorus of thy songs. <clears throat> with the soft finger touches of my soul intuition, I tuned the radio of my inner perception. At first I caught only the sounds of nearby experience. Then came a symphony of inner harmony followed by sweet strains from my heart's orchestra of finer feelings. And then came the swelling chorus of thy age-long cravings for thee. All these I caught on the radio of my soul as I kept tuning my perception waiting to catch the whispers of thy voice, O guardian angel of all souls. With the infinite patience, I went on tuning my radio. At last, when I almost prepared to give up further trying, thy song burst upon my heart. O let me broadcast through my every word now the chorus of thy songs. Before I moved to Ananda uh, in the mid-70s, I was um, an outdoor educator and I was uh, training uh, in Dayton, Ohio, an internship program. And often we would get groups of very small children. And uh, they couldn't read yet and they were just so excited to be there. And on their chest they had a big sign that said, Johnny, or maybe if it was a girl, Susie. And uh, I was talking to the group of children, and we kind of give them the lay of the land and what we're going to experience that day. And one boy uh, was very, very enthusiastic at front. And he couldn't hold still. He was so excited to be there. And I said, Johnny, we're going to do this today. And Johnny was so thrilled, and he turned to his friend, and he said, he knew my name. <laughs> And, you know, uh, it was very easy as an adult who knew how to read <laughs> to know who Johnny was. But, you know, the saints, they have that ease in knowing us uh, through their developed intuition. Uh, they see us in the highest, in a higher way than we often might see ourselves. And uh, they know our whole path and what we need to go through to find God. And they're very, very willing to help us do that. It's a great, great blessing uh, when we can cooperate with them. There's a, a story that Swami Kriyananda tells in his uh, book on the Gita uh, about Naresh. And uh, he um, was a young man, and he met this saint. And uh, the saint uh, uh, asked him, who are you? And he said, Naresh. Uh, and, uh, and then a little bit later, the, the saint said, who are you? 
And Naresh thinking that the saint was getting a little older and maybe a little hard of hearing or perhaps a little senile, uh, said, my name is Naresh, a little louder. And uh, the, the saint uh, just still didn't uh, say anything. And then he said, Could you, who, who, are, who are you really? And uh, Naresh thought for a second and he thought, well, um, my father is uh, Ram Dutto and I live in Delhi and I'm an accountant. And the saint said, but who are you really? And the, uh, the young man was puzzled uh, and, uh, and he thought about it. Uh, and, uh, but he didn't discount the saint because the saint was just wonderful to be around. And he didn't know why he wanted to visit the saint, but he did. And he kept thinking, well, I'm a young man with lots of interests, and not only as an accountant, I'm much more than an accountant. Uh, he might have been a bird watcher, who knows? Uh, uh, but uh, he, he thought, well, there's, there's something more. And, um, but he couldn't quite think what it was, and he kept thinking and thinking. And then uh, one day the saint asked him again, who are you? And this time Naresh said, I don't know who I am. And the saint smiled. <laughs> uh, and, um, and then a little while went farther along and, uh, and the saint asked him again, uh, who are you? And Naresh said, I don't have words to uh, describe what I am. Uh, I know that I'm the soul uh, seeking freedom. And the saint smiled and he said, now we can begin to work uh, now that your mind is silent and quiet. And the intellect is a very interesting aspect of human nature because uh, it's, uh, uh, it makes the subtle more clear to our awareness and consciousness. It categorizes things, it uh, interprets life, and uh, brain scientists say that it actually builds a whole virtual world uh, uh, of its own, from its own perspective. It is not really based on reality. And uh, it's, our it's our feeling, that aspect of human consciousness uh, that is self-aware. And calm feeling is intuition. Uh, and uh, and, and in, in that stillness, the, the reading talked about in that stillness, all things are revealed to us. And this is uh, true intuition. And one saint said that all spiritual experiences are simply prolonged intuition. And, uh, and intuition also is love. And I'd like to tell you a story about two maintenance men uh, that worked at this uh, Christian camp where uh, I, uh, there was an outdoor education program in the local counties uh, they would have at this uh, facility. And uh, when I first arrived, there was a, a young man, a little bit older than I was, maybe eight, 10 years older, and he was part of a, meta, a metaphysical tradition. And Swami Kriyananda talks about uh, the intellect or knowledge. It doesn't touch someone deeply because it's not based on direct experience. Uh, knowledge is just a mere catalog of facts. Well, uh, this man, uh, was a nice man. He talked a good game. I was just new to Ananda, and like many of us, when we first come to Ananda after uh, 
from our previous incarnation, we've meditated and we were enthusiastic yogis. Then all of a sudden we come to the teachings again. Uh, you just sort of can't hold us back so often. We're just so, so enthusiastic. Well, that was my case. I was quiet about it. Uh, it was at a Christian camp, uh, but I, I meditated avidly. Um, but this maintenance man, he would talk about the seven levels of reality and uh, all these different things. And I was just really puzzled by this. I, uh, it didn't mean a thing to me. Uh, and, uh, uh, but he knew all this stuff or seemed, seemed to appear to know all these things. Uh, but I really wasn't that interested uh, in that. I didn't understand it. All I understood was the joy and the peace and the bliss that I was feeling in meditation. And that's what I was after. And I never saw that this man meditated. It, just, it was just outer knowledge. And then um, uh, he moved on, and another maintenance man came and took over that position. And his name was Rusty. And Rusty was a, he was truly a, um, a traveling renunciate. Uh, he and his wife, whenever he would get the inner call from Christ, uh, that a, a Christian community or camp needed his services. He was good at building and maintenance. Uh, he would just immediately get in the car and he would just drive to that place. And then he would just serve God uh, through um, whatever he could do uh, to help uh, that facility. And he was a very joyful man. And um, uh, I uh, developed a friendship with him. And at that time at Ayodhya, the, the monastery at Ananda, uh, I had a very small trailer, maybe 15 feet long, and um, he, uh, Rusty uh, volunteered to come to Ananda to uh, build a, a shed uh, right next to my trailer uh, so I'd have a little bit more room and create an office and eventually wrote Sherry Nature with Children there. Well, uh, Rusty um, liked to joke, and before he came, you know, he said, you know, Joe, uh, uh, my name was... Joe back then, uh, he said, uh, you didn't, uh, you grew up Methodist, uh, so you aren't a Christian. And then he would just, his whole body shook with laughter because being a Southern Baptist, uh, that was sort of their interpretation. Uh, but when he came to Ananda, uh, he was just a really a loving man and he had seen pictures of uh, 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 Mother Kali with her tongue out and Ganesha and uh, Durga and, uh, and he just, it didn't miss a beat. Uh, and he just really appreciated the spirit uh, of love that was at Ananda and the same devotion we gave to Master and to uh, all our gurus uh, was, a, was the same in his heart the same that he offered to Christ. And uh, it was just beautiful to see, you know, human vision sees separateness everywhere, all the differences in life. Uh, but divine vision sees unity everywhere, sees that sense of oneness. And in that spirit, that's when the soul can really learn and feel a part of everything around uh, uh, oneself. Uh, and that opens us up to really learn the deep lessons of life you know, Master uh, said, Paramahansa Yogananda said that um, we can only experience through the brain uh, life vicariously. That means from the sensation, sensations, from the physical senses, they come into the physical brain and we have a, a sense of things. And he said the only way to really n truly know something is that to free the trapped life force that's in the body, 
And you do that through yoga practices or deep prayer, other traditions, but you internalize uh, your life energy and you bring it into the spine, it goes up to the spine and out to the spiritual eye. And essentially what you're doing is you're releasing that essence that animates the soul and we merge with the cosmic energy all around us. And this is what true intuition is uh, because uh, it's, we, we're actually merging our consciousness with the consciousness of everything. And that's when we truly know. Uh, I, uh, I love to practice the, the own meditation technique. Uh, and uh, when you, you have a sense of touching uh, life all around you, if you go, can go deep enough in the technique, and uh, it, uh, Swami Kriyananda talks about how Om will bring all things to your remembrance and wonderful realizations will come to you uh, through the practice of Om, but also any attunement with divine realities, uh, with the Guru, with love, uh, with bliss, joy. Uh, and, um, and this is what happens to the soul as we begin to open up in a very real, tangible way uh, we start to become everything in our consciousness. Maybe baby steps in the beginning, uh, but we're allowed that and it's all directional. Uh, but, but this is the way, it's not, uh, the mind sees what's in front of us, uh, but the, the heart sees what's all around us and what's within us. And when we can relate to the d divine within ourselves, we're able to see the divine everywhere around us. And this is where true perception really starts, starts to come. Uh, I have a friend who, who used to live at Ananda, and he was in Mexico, and uh, in his city, and he was on a balcony enjoying uh, the beautiful lights of the city at night. And then, as will happen in uh, many countries, the power shut off, and he couldn't see the city lights anymore. And then he noticed, as he looked up, he could see all the lights of the heavens, just all the many stars, and uh, lights that were just uh, so much more vast uh, uh, than just the little street lights of the city. And he thought, well, that's, that's a true divine experience of meditation. Uh, we withdraw, uh, instead of electricity, we withdraw uh, from the physical senses, uh, senses, and we internalize, and that's when we start to experience divine realities uh, within ourselves, because we've pulled ourselves away from the material world, and we're starting to be able to experience more subtle realms uh, within ourselves. And so, this is really the path of yoga and other traditions that withdraw the life force, and that's where. True intuition, true intuition, pure uh, uh, perception starts to, to take place. I'd like to talk uh, a little bit uh, about love because love, well, calm feeling is, as I said, intuition. But calm feeling, as we know also, is pure love. And in that mutuality, when we have that pure love for God, and we're totally with God, then God reveals himself and shares everything with us. And it's only when the devotee comes to that point of really offering and really giving uh, 
his, his or her whole heart to God, that God really feels that resonance and feels the freedom to give of himself or herself uh, to the devotee. And it's that's what opens us up. That's what creates the avenue for God to come to us and fill us uh, with his holy presence. And we, uh, we understand who we are. We understand uh, what God is, the nature of life. You know, the uh, many, many people in the wilderness and, and saints as well have said that this whole world is made uh, from love. And I had an experience in the mountains one day walking through a remote valley. And I could just feel the love and all the flowers and the little streams and the, the big glacial boulders. And the, just everything was just singing and sort of expressing this sense of joy. And we don't have that experience maybe all the time. After a meditation, we, we feel that, that inner sense of that. Uh, but that's the building block. That's uh, uh, Yogananda uh, called Om the melody of love because you, you tune into that the source that sustains and animates all creation. And, um, and the, the world was made uh, in God's love and is overseen by God's love. And uh, when we can get into that consciousness, that's when we have that deep, deep, uh, resonance uh, with God. You know, um, we often have our predetermined view of life, thinking that life should be a, a certain way, and we have expectations. And uh, Yogananda said that if you are living in the present moment, you have God. That means you're content with whether, whatever God has given you. God creates moment to moment just the perfect atmosphere for us to grow uh, closer to him. Uh, but when we have expectations, what happens is, is that we say, uh, the future can be better, uh, life should be this way, or it should be that way. And uh, we're sort of saying to God, um, you know, make it this way, <laughs> you know, and we're sort of close out all God's options uh, that, that come to us. I had a, a sort of an amusing experience, especially at the end, uh, about having expectations. Oh, maybe, uh, yes, maybe eight years ago or so, nine years, um, I was having a whole series of karma, health karma, one thing after another, just right after another, and sometimes all at once. And I remember having trouble breathing and I could barely cross the 15 feet of the living room. And, uh, and um, I was able to get an appointment with a, a lung specialist in two months. And I'd heard from other community members that they'd had a real good experience with this doctor. So I was real excited about my appointment because, you know, it's nice to be able to breathe well. And, uh, and so uh, I sort of entered it in my calendar and then you know, a few days would come by and a whole week would come by and say, now I only have seven weeks before I can have this appointment. And, and then after a while, it was just one month away and I just had built up this thing of what was going to happen uh, at that day. And, and then it was like two weeks before that day. And then it was three or four days before my big uh, important day that I had marked on my calendar. Well, the night before, 
I got another infection and a very, very high fever and I couldn't sleep in the bed and I had to sit in a chair uh, to get up easy. I had to get up all night and it was at midnight and I watched the midnight clock go like this all the way to seven in the morning, just minute, uh, second by second almost the whole night long. And so we went to see that doctor uh, and then we went to see the lung specialist and nothing good happened there and sent to the hospital for these obscure tests and um, anyway, I don't want to go into everything, but um, it was a long day and didn't get home till six o'clock at night. And by this time, I really had fevers and chills and I was shaking so much that I had to have a down uh, sleeping bag over my down coat and, and I was shivering. And I, at a certain point, I started laughing so much uh, because this is the day that I'd been looking forward to for two months, and it turned out like this. And it was, just, uh, and I just started laughing um, uh, with Divine Mother. And um, you know, uh, Yogananda said Divine Mother is the greatest magician because uh, uh, she can make uh, what appears unreal to be awful real. <laughs> but I just, I just felt this sense of freedom that. Um, you know, I, I saw uh, the unfortunate, you know, of, of having expectations and how uh, that really can throw you off. Um, and so uh, we, we just get out of the present moment and we also get away from God and God coming to us uh, uh, during moment to moment. And we can really, when we're just with the situation, whatever it is, Master says we overcome karma through accepting it calmly and cheerfully. And that means we aren't resisting it. There's a, 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 muse, a, a Trilanga Swami who uh, Yogananda wrote about in Autobiography Yogi. Uh, he said that Lahiri Mahasaya was like the divine kitten. And uh, he would go uh, harmoniously wherever Divine Mother would place him. And there he would be as a as a family man, an accountant, um, but a liberated soul, an avatar, he just, whatever role he played. And it's such a beautiful image because, you know, a mother kitten, uh, if she senses that her uh, little baby cat is in danger, uh, she will carefully grab the cat, her kitten, by the neck, just find the right place, and then grab onto it with her teeth, but not enough to pierce the skin. And what does the little baby cat do when the mother grabs it there? It doesn't squirm and fight. It just goes limp like this. And the mother's able to very easily carry uh, her cat uh, to another place. Well, Divine Mother, when she senses that uh, we need a new situation, or we maybe need a new experience to, to go through life uh, uh, for us to learn soul lessons, uh, she will shift things. And if we can cooperate with that shifting and embrace it, then we can learn her lessons that she has uh, in design for us. But if we fight it, we never learn the lessons. We just strengthen our separateness from God and our ego, and it takes us even longer and so more and more to really have that ability uh, to flow with life 
and really to feel God's hand in every experience uh, and the Guru's blessing in everything we do. And the more that we do, more we'll be able to perceive uh, our life's lessons and see through the outer circumstances and really get at the heart of what God is trying to say to us. And we can advance very quickly on the path when we take every situation like that and we're learning all the time. Uh, and, uh, and so it's just so important. You know, I talked about mutuality, is that, that, that sense of uh, sharing very deeply. Um, and uh, when we have that sense of just cooperating with God all the time, and then when it comes time to meditate, God knows where our heart is. We've purified ourselves more and more because we are just wanting to do and be in God's will. And uh, as God feels that more and more deeply in ourselves, we just grow closer and closer to God. You know, Swami Kriyananda at the end of his life, he didn't know or experience any barrier between his will and Yogananda's will. It was just all the divine will. And that's the point that we all want to reach more and more, and then that's when we really have that kind of attunement with God. Uh, and then we're able to receive everything that God has to offer. So let's, in the next several months, try to be like the divine kitten and go wherever God play, takes us. We're going to go there anyway, but let's be limp and let's be open. <laughs> limp, not in our willpower, not in our energetic self, but limp in terms of limp with no more likes and dislikes, because that's the rub of it, isn't it? Is that when we have a preference for something other than what we're experiencing, but just to really be like the divine kitten, like Lahiri Mahashai, and just go with God, let go and let God really bless us. And bless you all, my dear friends.
rich man ever schemed, all the beauty ever dreamed, all the gains for which men sigh and mourn. Will